You're listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Making Business Profitable podcast with profitability experts Dave Kapkowitz and Mike Watkins. Coming at you from 5,675 feet in lovely Golden, Colorado. My name is Dave Kapkowitz and I'm here with Michael Watkins living our mission statement to impact lives through improving business performance. We accomplish this by coaching, speaking, and educating so you can live your best life. Good day, Dave. Good day, Michael. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I uh, want to share something with you. You may or... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of having this conversation before. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for all of you listeners out there, I... I signed up for a personal trainer, and uh, I signed Dave up, too. Oh, are you serious? Yes, man. We're going to be working out three days a week. We have a personal trainer. I did I did go with, uh, I think her name is Monica, as opposed to Bob. So that's the only Bob, Bob Was Bob looking mean or something? Yeah, yeah. He looked like he'd kill us. He tried to, did you try to go with the easiest person? Yeah, like, yeah. I want Dave to live past the first time. <laughs> That's the first workout. Yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, you know, filling out the form. Do you work out? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is not going to be good, but it's going to be good for us, man. We're gonna. I was wondering why you shouted across the office, "Hey, Dave, how many calories do I eat a day?" I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What? What the hell is that for? You know, the reason why we need to do this, Dave, is we travel so much. It's only a matter of time before we get into a scuffle on the plane. And I don't want to get us beat up, so. It's, it's about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that you're saying this <laughs> on a podcast, oh boy, this is, okay, so that's like a firm commitment. Yes, man, we got to do it. I think if we How long did you sign up for, like a week? No, no, I signed us up for, uh, I didn't really sign us up for a period. It's just three times a week. Just forever? And, yes, forever. Now, you know, the first couple of weeks will be in a fetal position, but I think we'll... I think we'll come out of it about three weeks, three or four. That's right. We'll be ready to go. You know, this is all Jim Carr's fault. Jim said, you guys need to get a personal trainer. And I said, that's a great idea, Jim. And then I went and ate some pie. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't eat pie, but that does sound pretty good. I better get that in before the personal trainer starts. We are are ready to go, man. Oh, okay. Well, uh, now that I have that news, what is the uh, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, we've just had this flurry of activity around um, our, our matchmaking activity. You know, people looking to sell their business and mm-hmm. and PE firms looking to buy businesses. And uh, boy, we've seen a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. So I thought we'd talk about you know what people need to know about selling their business. Maybe we can avoid some of the uh, bad stuff. That's a great, that's a great, great subject. So, and and if you are not thinking about selling your business, pay attention because one day the things you do between now and the day you sell your business, those are all super important. And if you start now with all these things we're going to talk about, it's drastically going to affect the outcome. Sure. And, you, you know, even if you're not thinking about selling, you should always be ready to sell. That's right. money shows up. You never know. It's uh, the number one thing we hear about people that sell is, I wish I did, or man, I should have, or 
man, had I been doing this for three years, it, it's, it's a huge difference. So this is going to be good. I can't wait to see, uh, what we got going on here. So what's, uh, what's the first thing we talk about in when we, well, I think, um, selling a business. I think when, um, uh, someone decides they're going to sell their business, small, medium-sized business owner decides they're going to sell their business. I was I was shocked at how many people think that just means liquidating, you know, the assets. Yeah, um, and and you never get anything near what you paid for. So many people are like, you know, I got four million dollars in equipment, and a liquidation looks like six hundred grand for the whole thing. Yeah, it's just salvage value. And that's a reasonable number. Four million expectations, six hundred thousand you walk away with. Sure, sure. And, and what happens is people barely cover their debt because they've been buying later model equipment, but they aren't keeping up with the customers. Yeah, yeah. And uh you get a a fella or you know, or a lady who just okay, I'm done. I'm just done. You're I'm, out of I'm, gas. I'm I'm out of gas, I'm gonna close the doors and they're now they're liquidating their business because they didn't do anything to try to get it to sell. It's just too much trouble to try to sell it, so I'm just going to liquidate. And uh, if you're an ongoing concern, remain an ongoing concern through a, at least a, a sale. You'll do better in some sale than than um, auctioning off or salvaging you know, your, your assets. Most definitely. I mean, at least if you're moving forward... And you have business, and that business is is semi profitable. You can find another business owner in your same trade. In this in this in this discussion, we're talking about machine shops and manufacturers. You find another manufacturer, and you can sell them your business that and say, "Hey, this comes with uh, a one point five million dollar book of business, and with these customers that you probably you may not have, so you have some value there. You may have to sell it. You aren't going to be prime." But you can at least get something for it because they'll take your customers and, and employees are hard to find. So they'll take your employees and, and give them a home. Absolutely. So, I mean, so there are ways to pivot from here. It, it's There are options away from liquidation. Absolutely. So uh, what else? Well, the first thing, first thing buyers want to see is financials. And they want to see three years of financials. And they want to see detailed financials in there, right? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have all kinds of questions. I mean, they're going to be looking for anomalies from year to year, and, and they're going to want you to reach back and explain what happened three years ago. I mean, it's it's like getting undressed in front of a lot of people when when they start doing that. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. They start doing that due diligence. So It is, though. I mean, why did your payroll go down 100000 this year? Or why did you take a bonus in 21 but not in 22? Why is... Why are your electric bills so high this year and not high the other year? Sure, you know, sure. I mean, everything you can think of, those trends, um, like we look at, we watch trends on a month-to-month basis and year-to-year basis and last 12-month basis, and those trends tell a story. They really do. And anomalies stick out, and if you have a somebody that's willing to pay a premium for your business, they're going to look at all those and ask all those questions. And you might as well tell the truth, because if if you lie... Um, the likelihood is pretty high that they're going to catch you in the lie because these people who are looking at your company, this isn't their first rodeo. And so they see anomalies and they sort of, I've seen that anomaly 15 times and I know what it means. If you try to explain away something that doesn't make sense, um, they're either going to walk away from the deal or they're going to really lowball you. 
because they can't trust anything that you present to them. You're right. You're right. I mean, you can't, you can't have anything but the utmost integrity because when you do diligence and you do it properly, you uncover everything. Yeah. I mean, there isn't, you're not going to hide anything and, and then you're going to have goodwill after you sell the business. Sure. Sure. And you may have an earnout after you sell the business and you're putting that in jeopardy. You know, if you lie and that, that gets found out, you, you're wind up having a lawsuit. Absolutely. You don't, you don't want any part of that. So, you know, those financial metrics and you're looking for trends. So it's good to have an advisor, um, maybe a CPA firm, but probably not, you know, just, just someone who understands finance and accounting, um, grab your financials and trend them for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, have them tell you the story that your financials are currently telling. Yep. And then have you weigh in on that story so you're just prepared when in in a you know, due diligence is way down the line by the way. I mean there's they've gotta express an interest and then they gotta sometimes there's a interim letter of uh of interest and then maybe you get to a letter of intent and then I mean, you know, there's a lot of different hoops to get through. Mm-hmm. Before you even get to that's right because they spend a lot of money in, in due diligence. So, mm-hmm. um, if yeah, you we saw we saw one business that sold for a little over six million, and they spent just shy of a million dollars on diligence. The buyer did sure, and that's why when they get started on you and they're asking you all these questions, and you're like, "What is this all about?" They're mm-hmm. trying to decide whether they're going to spend all that due diligence money or not. It's a lot of money to spend. It is, you know, is. we're not talking about a hundred grand we're talking about millions of dollars sure and so it's serious and so you when you go into this you got to be serious and if you're if your cpa isn't asking about asking you for a breakdown and looking at your trends look for another financial advisor because you don't want someone that can't do that you get they have to be able to ask you about anomalies in your financials well before it's time to produce them so you have to be ready for those questions and prepare for those questions and have good answers for those questions before they ever get to you. Absolutely. So you have, and, and we find some CPAs are really good and some CPAs are really bad at that. And the worst thing you can do is hang with, uh, stay with a CPA that's really bad at that. And that'll cost you a million, two million dollars. You Easy. gotta be careful. Easy. And we're gonna talk about the team later, but I mean, the you know, the spoiler alert is when you ensemble your team, make mm-hmm. sure they all have transactional experience. That's right. I mean, a tax CPA, that's good for you to have in your mm-hmm. pocket when you make some money. But for the transaction, you need a CPA who knows how to position you properly. Absolutely. What else you got there, Dave? Well, operational metrics are something else. I mean, you need to be able to tell the story about what's your scrap rate. You know, how many returns or how many RMAs have you had? You know, what's your on-time delivery in the last year? What's your trends? Are you trending better? Are you trending worse in scrap and on-time delivery? You know, your quote to actual, you quote 50 hours on a job, does it take you 700 or does it take you 40? Yeah. You know, yeah. you need to be able to point to that and see that, hey, I'm, I have metrics showing me making money on my individual jobs. And I track that through an ERP system and I track that through a quality system. And I know how my shop is performing on a job by job basis, on a month by month basis. Because if you can't measure that, then it's all, you just don't know where you're good and where you're bad. Yeah, and um, what you need to improve. And I think it's conspicuous in its absence when you can't produce those ratios. They're like, well, how do you know if your business is doing well or not? Well, I look at my financials. Well, your financials 
don't don't add up. Um, you know, it's some something's awry here, mm-hmm. and then you you know you're stuck trying to explain or trying to figure out what's going on. That's right. So, yeah, I think you. It, this yeah, is you can't. If you might have the best customers in the world, but your on time delivery is ten percent. You have the maddest customers in the world too. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't it doesn't look secure for you. So if they buy your business, they're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta dig my way out of this. Sure. Because you know, sure. clearly you may be making money, but your customers are upset, and you're one PO away from being cut off. So you got to be careful. Yeah. And so in in that scenario where you maybe you don't have complete financials or you you lack operational metrics, it doesn't mean that the deal won't get done. It just means that you are gonna get a haircut. Get a haircut. Yep. Absolutely. There's something else too, Mike. What's that? I mean, you got to have a sales plan. I mean, you can look historically at your business and say, my on-time delivery, my scrap, my efficiency looks this way. You know, this is how much inventory I'm carrying, and these are my financials and everything. But if you don't, if you don't have a story to tell in your sales, hey, these are the three markets we're, we're in. This is growing. This is shrinking, but we're diversifying over here. This is really strong. This is what we're good at. This is what we see the next five years in this business. This is what we're doing. This is the equipment I'm planning on adding in the next five years to get there because I have big contracts and I'm working on two or three proposals that have big opportunities and I'm working on two or three new product introductions that that are going to turn into something that I've been awarded and I have these things going on. I tell a story about what's happening tomorrow too. I can look backwards with all these metrics, but I got to be able to look forward in the sales and marketing discussion because they don't want to buy. You have an ongoing concern. You have a going concern in your business. You make money month over month over month, but you get to be able to say, I'm going to be a going concern in five years. And this is my plan to hit that. Absolutely. And I'm not, and I'm not subject to the loss of one client Mm -hmm. or the loss of one industry that doesn't, you know, because when someone buys your business, they're buying an income stream really. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're interested in knowing is this income stream going to get interrupted? Is it likely to get interrupted? That's right. And, um, I, you know, the level of sophistication that you just articulated in terms of industry analysis and market analysis and and putting together a plan and a vision for your company. Um, if you sit down with the potential buyer and you, and you share that, I mean, that puts you in a different category, right? I mean, yeah, it means you're serious, and that's gonna you're gonna wind up getting more money for your company. Absolutely. At the end of the day. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your favorite subject? Well, that whole succession thing, right? Yeah. Um, again, if I'm buying a company, I'm buying an income stream, and I don't want any risk to that income stream. So if you have no succession, if you're the owner and you do quoting and you run the floor and you do procurement and HR. And scheduling. Scheduling. Yeah. Quality. Shipping. <laughs> yeah. Maintenance. I mean, and what's amazing is these small to medium-sized business owners sit down and they brag about that. Yeah, I, I pretty much do everything, man. It it starts here and it ends here. And they think uh, someone's going to be impressed with that. Well, not really um, because all that shows is that you have a lot of grit. Yeah. 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 That doesn't show that you are a good you, businessman. Yes. You have, to be able, you have to be able to step away from your business for a week or two. And the business still run well and have to have somebody pick up where you left off for a couple weeks and you don't come back to a big mess. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can sit down in that interview and tell the story, you know, man, I got to tell you, I'm embarrassed to say in the last six months, I've only been in the office a few weeks. That's music to a buyer's ears. That's right. So, 
that's a when your business is worth the most is when you're needed the least in yeah. your business and it's still putting off money. Isn't amazing? It's sort of like bankers. They don't want to give you money when you need money. <laughs> they want to give you money when you got money. Isn't that ridiculous? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, everybody that uh, feels that way or everybody that has a small business and goes to bank when they really need it, they know exactly what you're saying. That can be really painful. Sure, sure. So it's a secession is not just for the owner. It's for your lead guy. If you have a number two man or woman running your business, what happens if they step out on vacation? Sure, what sure. What if you have a person trained on a very specific, special skill set? Who are they training if they win the lottery tomorrow? Um, do you have only one person in your business that can fix this setup or only one person in your business that can program this part? You have to have, you need to be training people within your business so you have multiple streams of getting something accomplished. If you, if you leave yourself vulnerable, they're going to sniff those vulnerabilities out and it's going to cause a reduction in valuation. Absolutely. you got to have a next man up in every one of those key roles. 100%. And you mentioned team earlier. What kind of team are you talking about? Talking about team in the business or team outside of the business? What are you talking about? Uh, well, I'm talking about um, the team outside the business that's going to help you make it through the transaction. And your team really, you know, you got to have an advisor. And that advisor is uh, kind of... What do you, what do you, what if you, you're like, you're Well, if it's not us, it's somebody like us. I mean, yeah, somebody you, that knows your business, somebody knows the industry, somebody that understands the metrics and somebody understands, looks at your P&L and looks at your operational metrics and your, and your sales plan and says, e, we need to shore this up before it goes for sale. We sure. need to make sure this is tight. Hey, they're going to ask questions. Let's get a story around this. You got to have somebody that knows the business, knows the market, and also understands what a buyer wants whoever they are that needs they need to have that yeah and, and be well positioned there because you're about to climb mount kilimanjaro and you need someone who's who's going to be a guide mm -hmm. and and say no don't do that whatever you do don't do that unfortunately we've had clients where we've said whatever you do don't do that and they went and did it anyway and it cost them millions of dollars yeah so i can think of a six hundred thousand dollar example right now totally so you it's you know you get an advisor and then you have to listen to what your advisor says mm -hmm. absolutely um, and and don't forget, I was reading a book on Everest. A lot of people at Everest die because they get to the top and they think they're done, and they're only halfway done. They have to get down. Yeah, yeah. That's so, I mean, paint that word picture, right? Sure. I mean, you can you can get all this stuff done, everything be perfect, but if you have one of these things or kind of the the one card that makes the house cards fall, sure, sure, it, it, it makes the whole thing vulnerable. Yeah, it's painful, and so you have to be very deliberate at this stage, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what your team is there for to help you uh, not have any missteps. Your your uh, your CPA should be one who's done transactions mm -hmm. before, knows how to window dress your financials. Your attorney. Your attorney, absolutely, because your attorney is going to tell you when to talk, when not to talk. In fact, once you get the due diligence, hi, this is my attorney. I'll talk to you on the other side. I mean, you don't even want to be talking to anybody because they. An experienced PE firm or an experienced buyer is just going to talk you into saying something that you shouldn't say. We've seen millions of dollars lost in diligence because people don't wait for an uh, people don't just be quiet and wait for an LOI to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's. I mean, they'll just yeah. Anyway, you got to be, you got to know what you're saying, know who you're talking to, and that team is there to protect you. Absolutely. And if you don't have a full team between an advisor, a CPA. An attorney to protect you, 
then you have to shore that up before you get in negotiations because those people will look at you and say, ooh, you're kind of green at this. And you know what? When they smell blood in the water. Absolutely. They, I mean, you're dealing when you have somebody that's buying a business, you can assume they're a shark. Yes, yes. And if there's blood in the water, they know they're coming for you. And they know they're going to give you a haircut at some point. They're going to take advantage of that because they're business people. They're, you know, you'd always love to buy a Porsche for $2,000, wouldn't you? Yes, yes. And, and, and if they that w- deal's on the table, it's only on the table for a couple seconds, right? No doubt. And they will be of the mindset that this is a, this, I'm not taking advantage of you. This is your fault. You should have come to the table. That's right. You know, with 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 the advisors. Um, so this is one of these. Uh, my favorite book is, uh, you know, dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, what to know about selling your business. Um, well, I think there's two big things. One, um, the earlier you start, the better. Mm-hmm. If it's two, three years from now is when you plan on selling your business. Start getting your act together now. Well, it's like us. Our business is tight. I mean, we we eat our own dog food as far as what we do. Yeah. But we there's no way we'd consider selling our business right now. But we're sale ready. Sure, sure, absolutely. And because that's what you need to do. Because you never know. Somebody might say, you know, I'm willing to way overpay because I love what you're doing. I love your brand. I love the talent that you have, the speci- the specific technology you have or the market you have. And people might show up and write a check that you're like, I, if I ever get to this number amount of my business, and someone might, I saw uh, a couple months ago, someone show up and write three times the one, what they were hoping to get out of their business one day and just showed up and said, I'll write that and close in 30 days. Yeah. So if that happened to us, we'd be like, here's Seamus. Um, Seamus. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's our, he's our red-headed attorney. Um, <laughs> so sh- there's, there's yeah. the digging you well before you're thirsty and then. What's the other thing, Dave? I last but very not least is what's next. I mean, I think when you sell a business, some people have this dream. You know what? I'm just going to go hiking or I'm just going to golf. Or I'm just going to go out on the water. You know, you need to have that's fun. It may recharge your batteries, but it doesn't necessarily give you purpose. So whether it's volunteering for an organization, whether it's being more involved in your community, whether it's consulting on the side, whether it's uh, helping out in a uh, not-for-profit. There's so many things you can do, but you need to have purpose because the people who sell make some money and then don't have some purpose after that. What happens is you wind up dwindling, and it's it's really not good for you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you got to run from the business you're selling and run to something. Run to something that you love. Yeah, absolutely. Something you can be passionate about that gives you pr- It's very important that gives you purpose. Yeah, yeah, and you have skills. Yep, it could be anything from volunteering to the PGA Kids League to if you have a church or if you have a community uh, food bank. It could be it could be anything. It could be a car club. Sure. I mean, sure. literally. So, yeah. I mean, you might like to wrench on stuff, and you might just hey, you know, I'm going to take these little these little projects, and you might find a garage. Hey, you mind if I help out? It could be a little bit. It could be a little bit of anything. Yeah. But. It doesn't have to be about income. It just has to give you purpose to get up and get out and do something. Uh, like you said, otherwise you'll dwindle. You d- we see it. Yeah, yeah. You want to live a, we want you to live a long, happy, fulfilled life. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. If you'd enjoyed this podcast and you're in manufacturing and you want to learn more about what we do, 
go to our contact tab at ebitagrowthsystems.com, E-B-I-T-D-A, growthsystems.com, and I'll be reaching out to you personally to see what we can do for you. You've been listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Podcast, Making Business Profitable. 